Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist Podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. So today it is a bite-sized episode and it is me and I'm talking about five ways that I stay sane, protect my mental health, have a good relationship with food and remain in my eating disorder recovered status. And I guess these are things that are really, really important to me. I've been recovered now from bulimia for many years and um, I have not had a relapse, um, thankfully, for many, 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 many years. Um, I had bulimia for almost a decade. I then sort of continued to struggle with binge eating for several years afterwards. Um, but then I've been completely free of eating disorders probably for about sort of 15 plus years now. And I guess I am very conscious about not taking my recovered sort of status for granted. I know that, you know, I could always have a vulnerability to going back. However, there are different things that I do every single day, which means that I stay in that very kind of mentally and physically well place and um, I'm much less likely to go backwards. So what are some of these things? So first of all, good old regular eating every single day. So I am fully in my own lane with my eating and I really do remain fully in my own lane, even if others are modeling very different eating behaviors around me. Now, I think this is absolutely um, just so important to talk about because we live in diet culture and probably a lot of people in your network, a lot of people at work and your family, friends maybe, might be trying intermittent fasting or going on some kind of diet or cutting out carbs or doing some crazy regime and getting all excited about it. So there is so much potential all the time to be knocked off path, to be kind of hearing messages that can make you doubt yourself. You can feel very seduced and think, oh, maybe I should be trying that too. But I stay very, very firmly in my own lane and I'm very sort of precious about kind of maintaining this regular eating and sticking to the path. And I'm not saying that the way I am eating and regular eating is the only way to do it for every single person on the planet. But I guess what I'm saying is that I've learned that what works for me is something that does really work for me. And I'm very conscious of keeping that as a very sort of determined act of self-care. And when I used to binge regularly, overhunger was definitely one of the biggest triggers for me. And a classic day for me would probably involve just not eating quite enough through the day, maybe having a small breakfast, a salad for lunch with not much carbs. Get to sort of late afternoon, I would be starving, starving, hungry. My brain would just be screaming out for glucose with a vengeance. And I wouldn't really be able to wait for my dinner. I'd be coming back from wherever I was at work or whatever I was up to. And my, I was sort of beyond the point of being able to make kind of wise, helpful, self-caring decisions around food. My brain would be wanting glucose at all costs and I'd often end up binging. Then I'd feel really bad and end up sort of overeating, binging, eating more than I'd planned, eating all the foods that I hadn't really wanted to eat that perhaps weren't particularly nutritional or kind of best for me at that point. And I'm not saying that 
we shouldn't eat a whole range of foods. I'm completely with the all foods fit model, but I'm just saying that um, there are certain foods that are probably better to eat when we haven't <laughs> sort of been eating all day, when we really need to put good nutrition in our bodies. So I would be going for that high, the sugar, the quick fix, and then I feel really, really bad, feel a loss of control, and it would just be just a very, very negative cycle. So with the regular eating, I guess the thing to really stress is that I practice regular eating independently of what other people are doing. So I'll give you some examples of this, okay, because I think a lot of people struggle with putting this into practice because they feel that people in their lives operate in very different ways around eating, so they feel that they don't have permission almost to do this for themselves, or you might fear as well that you're going to be seen as greedy or overindulgent or eating too much, maybe if you are following your eating plan. So different examples for me like my mum usually comes around and sees me every couple of weeks so she'll often have her lunch um, when she goes back home after seeing me whereas she usually comes kind of late morning I tend to have my breakfast really early so I'm getting really hungry by half 11 12 so I need to kind of fuel myself um, at that time because I'm starting to get like a bit kind of irritable preoccupied with food I need like my blood sugar stabilizing all those good things so I will often have my lunch at my usual time when my mum is still there and we'll still kind of carry on chatting hanging out together having some nice time together but just because she's not eating with me it doesn't stop me from eating and doing what I need to do for myself another example is if I'm out in London maybe with friends for the day and you know maybe they're going to several hours without eating maybe that's what works for them they tend to just like you know perhaps they've had like a big breakfast and then they tend to go several hours um, and they don't really eat through the day and then they kind of have their evening meal now that doesn't work for me I absolutely need to have my regular eating my regular snacks and I just am someone who gets really really hungry I feel kind of quite faint quite lightheaded I don't feel well if I don't eat regularly so even if the people around me, if I was out in London for the day, if they just weren't eating, if they were just perhaps having a coffee or something, I would still be doing my regular eating. I would be getting my food out if I brought it with me. I would be going to a cafe, getting something extra, and I'd be giving myself absolute full permission to do that, knowing that it was an act of self-care. Another thing I don't do as well is I don't miss meals. Now, I know life is busy sometimes, I think, most people can probably be vulnerable to missing a meal at some point because of past life is just too busy maybe you've been working all day and then you've got to go to a meeting in the evening or you're running your kids somewhere or something and it can be really easy to miss a meal i think um and but this is something i really don't do okay i will always make sure that i prioritize that as part of my self-care and this might mean sometimes if I'm really busy, if I've got a lot to do in the evening or something, or I'm rushing around, I've got like a busy schedule, I'll just take 10 minutes and even have like some peanut butter and banana on toast or something, or some scrambled eggs, or I'll have something that means that I'm fueled, okay? Rather than missing a meal, getting really over hungry, then being all out of sync later, and then not wanting to eat really late, but not wanting to like go to bed without having fueled myself and all that palaver. Okay, so I really prioritize this. I prioritize this in the same way that other people might prioritize brushing their teeth or having a shower, just doing the basic fundamentals of self-care. So regular eating is absolutely fundamental for me to stay well. And um, I absolutely honor it with a fierce vengeance. So I guess just by saying this, I'm giving you full permission to do the same, even if other people in your life 
don't do regular eating and have a completely different eating pattern, okay? You need to do what works for you and to really honor that, okay? Number two, there are no rules. There is structure though, but it's with flexibility. So having no food rules doesn't necessarily mean munching on donuts all day or eating chocolate for breakfast or snacking endlessly on packets of crisps out the cupboard. However, you know, maybe if I did do any of those things, it wouldn't necessarily be a big deal because we're not coming from a place of judgment here, okay? We're really trying to get into a much more flexible, free place for food. And hey, do you know what? Sometimes chocolate for breakfast might just be the thing to do. But mainly, I probably wouldn't have chocolate for breakfast every day, more as an act of self-care and about feeling mentally and physically good and wanting to be sustained by what I've eaten nothing to do with sort of restriction or thinking, oh, that's a bad food that I shouldn't eat. Now, because I implement the good old regular eating and stabilizing blood sugar approach, my mood and my general day-to-day physical well-being is fairly level, okay? Because when you're in a phase of either being very restrictive or kind of binge eating or overeating, your mood tends to be very up and down and your body physiology is often up and down as well and you often don't feel good. You know, you might have periods of feeling um, heightened energy maybe when you're in that sort of restrictive phase and um, you've kind of got adrenaline coursing through your veins but you will usually get a crash later. Whereas having that structure, you've just got that kind of stability in place which is so helpful. So every day I will genuinely permit in some chocolate or a packet of crisps or a cake maybe. In the last few days I've enjoyed cheesecake in a cafe when I was out in Cambridge. I've had a Snickers bar or two at home, some tortilla chips with sour cream, some pizza out with friends. Okay, this is all normal part of life. So whereas in the past I would restrict or ban certain foods from my eating sort of repertoire, now foods are no longer banned. So they're no longer special or seductive because they're just genuinely part of life. They're pleasurable, they're enjoyable, they're tasty. So simultaneously, I also honor my health. You know, I enjoy eating vegetables too. I enjoy kind of having balance in my meals. I enjoy eating kind of proteins, fats, carbohydrates. I enjoy getting kind of good nutrition in and taking care of my body but that also involves pleasurable, fun foods too. So they may not be as nutritionally dense, but they are vital to prevent mental restriction and those feelings of deprivation. Now, when I used to deprive myself of all those foods, as soon as they were available, as soon as I felt a difficult emotion, as soon as I was over hungry, I could be massively triggered into eating one of those foods and going into a full on binge. But now I don't overeat on these foods anymore because they're not special, because I'm not deprived. I can choose to have these foods at any point. Okay, time for a short advertisement break. Have you had a lifelong struggle with your weight and gone down the surgery route? Have you been caught in the diet cycle, losing and gaining the same weight repeatedly? And perhaps you pinned all of your hopes on bariatric surgery, but only to realize that head hunger, food noise, and emotional eating have returned along with a fear of weight gain. You are not alone on the Gastric Mindset podcast. 
Safi shares real-life stories from people who have had weight loss surgery, and she interviews experts to help you understand the deep-rooted psychological and behavioral aspects that make it achievable to find long-term weight loss success. Safi is eight years post-op and a therapeutic practitioner who is passionate about making psychological support accessible to all. The Gastric Mindset podcast is out every Friday and can be found on all major podcast platforms. Okay, number three, protecting my energy. So I'm a sensitive person. I do absorb energy from my environment like a sponge, whether that be like uplifting, life-enhancing, loving and energetic vibes, um, you know, thinking some of my lovely friends here, and maybe being somewhere beautiful in nature or listening to my favorite music. So my mood can definitely be transformed pretty quickly by what I'm exposed to in my environment. So that's wonderful in the right environment, but the downside is that my energy can be knocked off balance pretty quickly if there's draining or negative energy around. So if I'm around someone who's very angry or critical, or if I'm in like kind of work meetings, um, I'm not talking client meetings here, I'm talking like IT compulsory training meetings back in the NHS days or something, or working in a cluttered, overwhelming environment which feels chaotic and stifling. You know, I think again, I just sort of think about to working in the public sector where often there'd be lots of you like crammed in an office, it was often really noisy, there was no air. Um, I used to find those environments really difficult to work in and my energy tank would really be emptied at full speed. And I was often left and feeling exhausted and needing time away to recoup. And I know I definitely am someone, though I like people and I'm quite sociable and I love connecting with people and I feel very uplifted and encouraged by people in my life, I definitely need time away, even time away from my favorite, most lovely people because of just too much time around other people for me is just exhausting. So I have learned with time and experience to fiercely protect my energy as precious gold dust because without doing this, I tend to feel exhausted, overwhelmed, anxious. And in my own childhood, I was very fortunate to have a lot of wonderful experiences which really allowed me to flourish and embrace parts of who I was. And I'm very grateful for these aspects, but there were also overbearing and controlling aspects that definitely left me feeling worthless and without a voice. And I absorbed this negativity, as we do as children, unconsciously and consistently. And I really came to the conclusion that there was something really wrong with me and I was just trying to please others and gain their approval and acceptance of those around me. But that was a very, very toxic environment for me. So it has taken me several years to stand separately from this and to know what is mine to take on board and what is other people's stuff maybe. It's taken me several years to accept my own power and to take responsibility for my own self-care, looking after my own needs and cultivating an environment that allows me to flourish. Because for a long time, I was very much a victim. I tend to blame others. I felt stuck. I felt damaged. I felt powerless often. I felt anxious. And I couldn't see how to change this. And I used to always think, externally if things changed externally everything would be okay and I wasn't really taking responsibility and realizing that actually I had the power within to set boundaries to look after myself to create an environment which was going to suit me in a much better way so today I'm pleased to say I'm in a very different place now 
I still have the human struggles as we all do of being alive. However, I do feel so much more resilient and, um, and also having that confidence around my own self-care and what I need to do mentally and physically to take care of myself. Okay, number four, slowing down. Now, I used to be such a do-do-do-do-doer all the time, striving on that treadmill day after day, doing the to-do list, the work, and um, all of the things. And I'm still a bit like this today. I'm not very good at slowing down, okay? It's something I have to really consistently work on, but I am much, much better than I used to be. And I see this in many of my clients as well with eating disorders. They're not good at slowing down. They're not good at rest. So I would often use food as the break, binge eating, emotional eating, maybe it was a shortcut to distraction and a desperate attempt really to have a break and switch off for a bit. Now, now I work from home and it would be very easy just to go down the rabbit hole of work and not to come up for hours. But every hour in the day now, I make a conscious effort just to move around for a little bit. So this is just very low level, but it's more just to have a little bit of rest and time away from a screen. So I might sometimes go outside, might sometimes nip out, get some groceries. I might um, hang out the washing, move to a different room, maybe watch a YouTube video or something, do the washing up, get away from work. I allow my brain a break and I allow some reflection also of what is happening in the day so far, because if we never give ourselves breaks, we don't get a chance to process emotion, to process our thoughts, to just touch base with how we're doing in ourselves, how we're doing in our bodies. So I notice as well, when I allow myself breaks, I can notice, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I feeling frustrated? Did something come up on a call maybe that warrants further reflection or talking to my supervisor? How is my energy doing? How am I feeling about my work? Just checking in with myself. So by taking these regular breaks, I can attend to my needs and look after myself. In the same way that you would keep your beloved pet or a young child or a best friend nurtured and cared for, I'm treating myself in the same way. In the olden days, I would push myself beyond my limits and it might feel productive or enjoyable in the moment, but I would be exhausted living this way. You know, it would catch up with me. By the end of the week, I would just be no good for anything. And once you're exhausted, it's hard to self-care productively. You're much more vulnerable to using food, scrolling, alcohol, and healthy means of escaping and trying to wind down. Now, not there's anything wrong necessarily with um, having an intentional alcoholic drink or doing some scrolling on social media because you want to be entertained or even having some food because you want to enjoy something pleasurable. There's nothing wrong with these things, but if you're relying on any one thing as a way to escape, distract from your emotions, try to switch off because you haven't been looking after yourself helpfully in other ways, it's not so great and it's not going to leave you feeling great and you're probably not going to achieve that outcome of feeling sort of fully restored and recovered. Number five, the people in my life. So as I said, growing up as a child, there were some influences in my life that were pretty negative for me, albeit only part of the bigger picture. So after leaving home, as we all do, I gravitated towards what I knew. And although in some ways, actually, I had some wonderful and enriching friendships that are still part of my life today, um, I also sought out the familiar, which for me was kind of over control and criticism. And we all tend to do this unconsciously. Whatever we experience as children becomes our normal and we gravitate towards finding people who would treat us in the same way that feels familiar and like home. 
So I used to have very little awareness about the patterns I was repeating. And I would sort of gravitate towards people who are never really going to kind of meet my needs, where it probably wasn't going to really work out very well. And then I would be back in my old familiar pattern of blaming others, moaning about them, resenting them, feeling really frustrated. But I wouldn't actually take responsibility maybe and get out of that relationship or do what I needed to do. So no wonder it didn't feel good. So today I actively spend time with the people who I love and who support and encourage me. And I have very strong boundaries in place with people who will continue to be in my life, maybe family members that I love, but I also really need to protect myself and consider how much time and energy to devote to these relationships. So friendships or relationships that no longer serve me have fallen away in time. And I think what's really important here is I have compassion for myself and for other people who are generally doing the best that they can at the time. Um, and after a long time of working through my own feelings about some things that have happened in my past, um, you know, I can really understand that people generally do do the best they can at the time, um, but also it still means that some things that happened were not okay. And I think there's that balance in a way that we can have compassion and understanding, but we can also say, actually, that was not okay and I'm not going to put myself back in a situation where I'm going to be treated treated like that again. So I definitely need time alone as well sometimes to understand my own thoughts and feelings to reflect on my relationships and how I'm feeling in my relationships. And if I don't allow myself this I can be a bit like a rabbit in the headlights and I don't really know how I'm feeling because of because I'm sensitive and I'm sure some of you will relate to this I'm very influenced by the energy around me. So sometimes, you know, if someone's got a very strong opinion, I will very much sort of take that on board or I won't really know how I feel in relation to what has been said until I've had time to reflect on it myself. So time alone means that I can ground myself again, like come back to my center and find my peace. And up until I was around 30, I would pretty much say yes to everything. I was a chronic people pleaser. I would observe my environment see what I thought people needed and try and twist myself to be that person. And a lot of this was unconscious and it was a survival strategy to keep safe and to avoid rejection. And I didn't even know what my own opinion or my own likes and dislikes were half the time as I never allowed myself the time to go inwards and to reflect. So I had no sense of identity. I was purely defined by those around me. And that's not a happy place to be in because of you're going to be dealing with all kinds of people's projections, all kinds of things in terms of what people want, the person people want you to be. And that might just be way off center for who you really are. And I think what's important to say is when you're a chronic people pleaser, as I was, it wasn't only frustrating for me, but for people around me too, because when I people pleased, um, the people around me were often confused because in a way I would be pleasing on one level but then my actual real feelings would often leak out through my behaviours in other ways and this made relationships quite difficult sometimes and actually it destroyed trust in relationships because the people didn't always you know didn't believe in a way that what I was saying was the truth because of I wasn't deliberately lying, but sometimes I was kind of saying what I thought people needed to hear to keep myself safe, but then actually I was actually acting out in a different way. So say for example, I would have said, yeah, I really wanna to come to this event or whatever, but then on the day I would find a way of not going because I didn't really wanna go. But I couldn't even really admit to myself, let alone the other person that I didn't wanna go.
but it used to get me in a right old mess really and cause such a lot of anxiety, extra angst, um, extra turmoil, which, which wasn't really necessary. But, um, you know, it was a survival strategy. I was doing the best I could. Anyway, this took time to change. And I also had to rediscover who I was and to relearn my personal tastes and preferences. I had to experiment to find out what I liked or didn't like. And it was all a bit scary and overwhelming. And it's a journey I'm still on, tweaking and nudging in the right direction. But today I have a much better sense of who I am. I know that I love velvet and leopard print, bright colors. I know that I love being around people with ideas and dreams and who have a passion for personal development. I know that I need lots of time alone to restore and recoup my energy. I know that I love creating and sharing experiences with others, whether that be through video, podcasts, writing, creating events. I know that I don't like having too many social things going on, although I love one-to-one meetups with close friends, an occasional like disco night or long walks in nature, just chatting and putting the world to rights. So you'll notice in this episode, I haven't talked massively about food really, because really, as I'm always saying, it's not really all about food, it's about feelings. And when you're not protecting your energy, when you don't have boundaries, when your feelings aren't being expressed, when you're saying yes, but your body says no, when you've lost your identity, Food can become the outlet and release, whether that be through restriction or binge eating or over-exercise or other means. So have a think about you in all of this. These are some of the things that have supported me, but we're all different, we're all unique, and we all have our own individual preferences, likes and dislikes. So think about carving out time to get to know yourself. Think about the people in your life and whether they uplift or bring you down. And think about how you're spending your time. Is it in line with your deepest values? And maybe you don't know what your deepest values are, but if you think about, you know, looking back on your life at some point in the future, what are the things that are going to have been really important to you? Because this can be an insight. And think about your balance in life between doing, performing, and rest and downtime. Are you using food as a shortcut to getting your needs met? Okay. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you're not following me already, do see me on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And if you enjoy this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate, and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. And there's also 50% off my online 10 steps to intuitive eating course. It's usually £99, but it is now £49. And you can use the code freedom is possible. Go to the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.